0: From Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Von Warnke. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And whether you're downloading or streaming this podcast, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to listen because this podcast has been a dream of mine to get off the ground and have my own show. And I just want to thank you again for uh, tuning in to our uh, podcast today we're going to go back to 2013 almost two years ago from the time i'm recording this intro and we're going to listen to a podcast that i did with randy mcmillan from the mac and prowler tv show on predator hunting and the cool thing about this particular podcast is it really wasn't a podcast it was done for the hunting channel online which is a um, web TV platform that has an audio platform in it called Interviews with the Masters. And that's what I originally designated this podcast for, was for that. And it really wasn't even much of a podcast. It was just an audio file of a conversation that I had with Mac. And um, we had a lot of fun doing this. I really thought it would be great to put on this new format of this show because it's a great podcast for predator hunting and if you're just learning how to do predator hunting if you want to learn more about how to do predator hunting even if you're an advanced predator hunter you should learn something from this podcast you should take something away from it and i'm really excited about having the chance to share that with you here's my interview with randy MacMillan from the mac and prowler tv show i hope you enjoy on the phone with me right now is none other than Randy McMillan, also known as Mac of
1: Mac and Prowler. How are you doing today, Randy? Good. Marvelous. Awesome. Well, uh, give us a little bit of background about yourself and uh, what the, how the Mac and Prowler TV show started and just some uh, some information so people can get to know a little bit more about you.
2: Okay. I grew up on a dairy farm. And, uh, growing up on a dairy farm, a cowardie was a... Uh, uh, he was a predator on our bags and stuff, so I learned real young how to how to take care of them, and uh, I started hunting them, and I got more and more better ways and better ways, and, you know, I started out with a hand call, and then they came out with electronics, and, and I bought the very first ones that ever came out and had limited success, you know, but anyway, and then it grew from there, and the more I hunted them, the better I got, and uh, then uh, I went to work for a game ranch, and it was also the same problem. Coyotes were a problem over there. And uh, I was out riding the fence on the game ranch one day and I shot a coyote. And I got to thinking about it. I had met Fowler uh, previous and we had kind of got to be friends. And I just picked up the phone and I called him and I said, uh, I said What am I pretty good at? And his first response was, We're hunting coyotes. And I said, well, why don't we take what I know about hunting coyotes and what you know about video production and I said, let's put it all together and then make the DVD. And that's how we got started. And then we went from the DVD to the TV shows.
1: That's fantastic. And so then I came along about 2011 and uh, have worked with these guys ever since. And uh, I certainly, uh, you know, do a lot of hunting on my own. I'm not that big of a predator hunter, but... Um, I do a lot of tech videos and sponsor segments and that kind of stuff, but, uh, the show is incredible and, uh, predator hunting is, uh, many people know is one of the fastest growing sports and, um, and fastest growing industries within the hunting industry. And uh, that's really why I think it's great that you and I are talking and doing this interview together. So, um, you got started hunting when you were how old? No,
2: <laughs> not seven. Okay. put people in jail nowadays for I know, somebody <laughs> to a gun at seven, but uh, so it's I was a different seven time. years old. I got my first 22, and I lived in the woods. That's all I did. I, didn't, I never played sports, so I did, but I didn't like it, and I still don't like sports today. Uh, if I have any free time, well, I'm either hunting or fishing. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I never
1: talked to you about that. I don't think I've ever talked to Bill about that either, but... I, uh, you know, football game or basketball games on. I, I'm, I'm watching hunting shows or something. I'm, I'm always, uh, I'm, I'm always out in the woods or the water or something. But yeah, I, uh, it's good to know you're kind of a kindred spirit there because <laughs> I feel alone sometimes because I don't basketball and football like everybody else does.
2: So um, yeah, uh, I just, you know, I just, I never cared nothing about it. So, uh, you know, when I've got free time, I want to be in the woods.
1: Yeah, that's great. So you're very, very passionate, and you always have been. That's the thing I've loved about working with you guys. Um,
2: I had a man tell me one time that, uh, do you know the definition of a true hunter? What's that? Here's the definition of a true hunter, a man that hunts for a living and goes hunting on his day off. That's That's great. (laughs) I love that.
1: Um, how, how long did it take you to get where you are now? And what would you say to our listeners who are just, just getting started with predator hunting and kind of frustrated with some of their past experiences, maybe?
2: Persistent pays off. Yes. (laughs) You've got to just keep trying, you know, predator hunting is a fast growing sport, but, uh, most people kind of fall out with it because they go out and the first thing they do is they buy a 10 or 20 dollar electronic call that's supposed to be the latest and the greatest and the best and they go out three to five to seven times with no success well then they kind of say well this is too hard to do and so uh you know there's there's things that you've got to do right in, in order to be successful as a predator hunter and you know when I say things you got to do right, uh, you know, yeah, you might kill one doing some of the things I'm going to tell you not to do, but you're not going to be consistent with it, like riding up on your four-wheeler and killing it and parking and, and start calling right there. That's, you know, that's not the way to be successful. Uh, cheap calls uh, with bad sounds is not the way to be successful. I mean, you know, you're dealing with a, predator that makes his living knowing what he's doing. Yes. And he he's easy to fool sometimes, but now if he's been bit a time or two by something like that, he gets smart fast.
1: And all you've done, as you've said before, all you've done is, is made a smarter coyote.
2: Right, right. And smart coyotes are tough. And, and you're that's,
1: made you know, and That's
2: one of the things that that's kind of, you know, The old-timers in this industry, yeah, we want people to go out and learn how to do this and everything, but the people that are not doing it right are kind of, they cause frustration with us because they make the coyotes harder to call.
1: Yes, and part of what we do on our show with the coyote and the predator, you know, part of the, the honey show, uh, and Magapower is certainly a lot more than just coyote and predator hunting. We do bow fishing, we do bass fishing, we do you know um, uh, hog and deer hunts and everything else. But you know, just to let our listeners know, you know, part of what we do as part of our show is educate and entertain and and try to teach the right way to do it. Isn't that right?
2: Right. Absolutely. We want to we want to take what we know and try to pass it on to the people that don't know, so that they can have a enjoyable experience in the outdoors.
1: Absolutely. And there's so many different coyote hunting shows and, and everything out there. But, uh, you know, the videos that you'll watch on, on the hunting channel online, and then, um, you know, quite a few of our videos that we have on our own website, uh, you know, we, we go through to educate and entertain. I mean, that's something that and prowlers have always been about is, uh, is really teaching you not just showing off how good of a shot or whatever we are, that we can kill a coyote, at 300 yards, but, um, you know, the process of it, what ammo we use, what calls we use, you know, um, just the whole the whole roundabout experience of of uh coyote hunting and so your main your main thing when well, we were talking about predator hunting there's obviously so many different types of, you know from bears to mountain lions that kind of stuff your main expertise is what coyotes and bobcats coyotes and bobcats very good um because that's
2: what we have in our area mostly. right
1: right we we get the occasional and i live in central texas and and uh, mac here lives in Texarkana or the northeast texas area and is a full time um hunting ranch guide now and um so obviously he runs in you run into coyotes you know on a daily basis I'm sure in, in your hunting ranch, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. So you you definitely have plenty of experience. And this is a master coyote hunting uh, you know, guy I'm talking to here. He is incredible. I, I have seen him Calling coyotes uh, when it just you know it just doesn't appear you know that there would ever be one in the area. I mean this this man knows what he's doing, so um, it's when a pleasure. I, when
2: people watch our show, uh, if they'll pay attention, a lot of times or something like that, we don't have to be the star of the show. Right. That, that's not what we're into. This far as to uh, get up there and look good and and uh, you know put on the show. We're putting on a show, but we're putting on an
1: educational show, not a show about ourselves. Yes. Yes. It's not self-glorifying and nothing that I do with, you know, the same deal with when I hear, you know, some of the viewers of my videos and our videos, you know, between all of us, you know, say, Hey, that really helps me. I mean, that's the biggest pat on the back I could get. That's better than all the money in the world and fame and everything else is that I'm helping somebody else out there. So that's one thing. And, you know, we seek to do that in these interviews too um as well so all right since we're talking mostly to mostly non-professional hunters out there um and a lot of folks nationwide we're, we're obviously addressing here um you know can hunt on public land or in texas it's something like 96 97 percent private land hunts uh how do you deal with um, you know, safety with landowners uh, with public land and that kind of stuff when you're scouting out a place to hunt
2: Okay, if you're on private, you know, where there's a lot of private land like we are,
1: are, the first thing you've
2: got to do is get permission from the landowner. And that's usually pretty easy to do if you approach the landowner the right way and you tell him what you're doing and what you're about and, uh, you know, you you prove to him that you're going to respect his property. It's usually pretty easy to get access. Now, on public land, uh, you know, most of the time on public land, whenever the, Coyote hunting is real successful time of year. There's not a lot of hunting on public land. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can go out there and scout and uh, drive the roads and stuff and listen and look for scat in the roads. You know, first thing you've got to do is locate where the coyotes are hanging out at. And that's always good around uh, cattle, uh, chicken houses, something that's. Uh, okay.
1: And what would you
2: say the best
1: the best time of year would be for coyote hunting?
2: The best time of year, you know, but you run into some problems during the deer hunting season and that stuff. But we generally start hunting in about September, and we hunt through March. You know, there's some people in places that hunt year-round. But uh, when it gets 100 degrees out here where we're at, well, you know, I don't care much about being out there chasing the coyote.
1: So I'll kind of leave them
2: alone. I'll kind of leave them alone during the hot summer. But now, the first cool spell we have in September, we'll be out there after them because you've got a lot of young dogs that are uneducated and they're relatively easier to call.
1: Okay. That's good. And so, as I've mentioned before in my videos, you know, having a good relationship with your local game warden, have a good relationship with. The landowners and the landowners around your landowners, I think, is good in case you've got to, you know. What a lot
2: of people, what a lot of people don't understand is when they think about predator hunting, the first thing that comes into their mind is not hunting. Yes. And we do very little night hunting. Most of our hunting is done during the day.
1: That's a very good
2: point. And uh, we'll, we'll be out there early. You know, we'll be out there at the break of daylight and uh, go into a place uh, real quietly, uh, get set up, the it get light enough that we run the camera and then we start calling and we've had calories come in within seconds after we turned on the call
1: yeah that's that's great and let's talk real quick about some products um that that we like to use as far as um you know mouth calls versus electronic calls you and i talked about this when we kind of um did the um uh, the pre-planning of this interview um, and then I also want to plug a couple of our sponsors while we're while we're at it. So go ahead and talk about some um some of the tools of the trade.
2: Some of the tools of the trade. Well, you know, the good thing about this is you don't have to spend five hundred dollars to go call in a coyote. Yes. You can go anywhere and buy a five to ten to twenty dollar mouth call, learn how to you know, learn how to blow it to make it sound like something dying. And uh, you know you can you can be successful calling in coyotes that way. But what you got to remember is the difference in uh, calling in a coyote with a mouth call and using electronic. When you're using a mouth call, that coyote is going to pinpoint exactly where you're at. Or if you're using electronic, you can set the electronic out 25, 30, 50, 75 yards from you, and the and the coyote will focus on that and not on you, so, uh, you know, but when you go to electronics, quality is just like the old saying goes, you get what you pay for. Right. And um, the better sound quality you've got, then the better off you are. Right now, we're using a call called GameTrack, and uh, the sound quality on it is by far top of the line.
1: And that's spelled, uh, what is it, G-A-M-E. T-R-A-K-S, right? Yeah. If people want to look that up. And that's developed by a, um, a guy that consults with us and is, a, is phenomenal at developing electronic products like this. Uh, but Game Tracks, you can look them up on the uh, Google search or uh, GameTracks.com. Just leave the C out of tracks. So, yeah, that's good. So, as far as mouth calls, I, tell us real quick about... Um, you know, some good ones on the market but also, you know, the the M and t series, which are the calls that you make out of uh, several different uh, you yeah, know I
2: make I make predator calls out of uh, deer antlers, uh exotic woods, uh, uh just about just about any uh get a hole in it, well I can <laughs> I can make a call out of it. Yeah, Rifle Brass, I mean,
1: I'm blowing away at some of this stuff, and these are great-sounding calls. If anybody's interested in getting one of these, uh, they are available through macandprowler.com, through our website, or another alternate address for our website is predatorhuntingtvshow.com, but you can get some m Series calls made by Randy McMillan himself.
2: Right, or, you know, if they're in the in the northeast Texas area up around Decap well, I've got them at my archery shop, Backwoods Archery.
1: Yes, yes, we got to plug that one, too. And uh, for night hunting, so, I mean, basically, you know, one of the things we talked about before, um, for night hunting, you know, there are a lot of different hunting lights out there. Um, several different big names have had one out there. And one thing that we really like, there's two different products out there. There's a, um, a good long-range 250, 300-yard light called the VRL1 by varmintlights.com. It's carried in Cabela's right now. Uh, Randy also usually stocks these at a shop uh, locally there, and you can you can see them on our website as well. And then the VRL-X, which is new, and I just talked about this in the bow fishing interview I did earlier today with Marty McIntyre. That's set up for a bow. That can be set up for a rifle. It can be set up as a general navigation light. Uh, it's a little bit smaller than the VRL-1, but it is, uh, it is an incredible tool for uh, – well, even... Yes, yes, both of them are very high internal components. Um, you know, I put the VRL one, uh, especially through all kinds of torture chests and dropped it. And I've got a, you know, almost four year old boy and he's always dropping my flashlights and always wanting to play with them. So, you know, it's always, uh, always a challenge to try to keep, uh, keep equipment and stuff like that around here in good shape. And these lights have been through it all and uh, are phenomenal and get really phenomenal range best colors for night hunting lights, by the way.
2: Well, <clears throat> You know, things like, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and back when we used to use the old Q-game and stuff, if you had a coyote coming in and you hit him with a light, well, he turned his head and he was gone. Yeah. But the new LED lights, even at white, doesn't seem to spook the game as bad as what the old regular bulbs did. But we use on the abundant on the light, we use a green, and we've had real good luck with the green. And red's fine, and like I said, uh we just kind of prefer the green for some reason it, it's easy to video in for number yeah. one is the green and everything kind of stands out real good and it and we've got video of cats and, and coyotes both that just came right into it just you know and it's a real bright light but it didn't seem to bother
1: that's a good point I and mean, the vrl1 is uh, made with a cree led actually i think the vrlx is too but uh, CREE LED technology and uh, they are uh, I, I've been a pro staff of RomanLights.com for a while and um, I've absolutely Mac and Prowler are both smart, you know uh, staff uh, and dealers for RomanLights.com, and I'm telling you that's uh, that technology you can take with the reflector that the light uses and everything else can, can broadcast that uh, green beam out to 250 yards the red beam out to about 150 yards. The green spectrum seems to just be a better light spectrum overall, though, and it does not spook game. whether you're hunting hogs or, uh, or you know, true predators and that kind of stuff. Um, so I at least wanted to, to do that because everybody thinks that, you know, red is the way to go because red's been on the market and there's so many lights out there that have red filters and lenses. What you really need is a good, regardless of what light you do buy, an actual colored LED. Do you agree with that?
2: Right, yeah, right. you know we're you get not talking about filters here. We're talking yeah. about actual, you know, actual light.
1: Yeah, the actual colored LED because the filter just cuts your it cuts your white light down. You know, yeah. when you're filtering a white light, um, you know, and I I used those time, you know for for years before I ever met you know the VomitLights.com guys. But um, you know, uh, you can get just so much better. Um, a better flashlight out of a, a colored LED light and mix and match. And, you know, all the lights are interchangeable now between what red or white and use the same flashlight for anything. Anyway, I just wanted to, to definitely mention com for that. And um, so when a coyote, day or night, comes into a call, what's the first thing they're going to do?
2: First thing they're going to do is try to get downwind to you. They're going to try to circle. The wind is your worst enemy when you're hunting coyotes. You've got to try to set up in a position that if there's any way possible to block him from doing that, that means you can put a pond behind you, you can put uh, a creek, uh, anything that can go behind you to keep him from circling to where he's got to come out front first. Well, then that's what you want to try to do because, like I said earlier, the wind is your worst enemy.
1: And you can use some of the best scent killers out there on the market, but still it is hard to fool a coyote's nose. Is that right?
2: Right. You can fool his eyes, you can fool his ears, but you ain't going to fool his nose. Yeah. And once a coyote smells you, there's no turning back. He's
0: so they're
1: trying to circle downwind to see if this is a legitimate, you know, uh, prey. or That's if it's a
2: um, part about the electronics. We've actually had them circle the electronic call and be between us and the call. Nice. And how far away do you put the electronic
1: call? Because a mouth call, obviously, you've got to use right there where you're hunting. But an electronic call, how far do you put that out?
2: It all depends on the terrain we're hunting in and, you know, how tight quarters we want and all that. But um, minimum of uh, 30 yards, maximum of 80 Okay. is what we do now. You know, some people will put them out further than that. But what will happen to you if you put them out too far if the coyote hangs up 150 yards from the call for whatever reason, then that makes him 200 yards from you. And, yeah, right. there's a lot of people out there that can take that shot, and we've taken that shot some, but I want that coyote down to 50 to 75 yards is what I want. To
1: make the most ethical kill
2: possible, right? Right. Right. Well, and you've got more time. if you, If something does happen, then if he's at 50 yards, then you've got more time, uh, and if there's multiple cavities, you get them in that close, well, then you can get multiple kills in the same set.
0: Right, right. Now, that's
2: good. And um, how long do you keep calling,
1: you know, in a setup? So, you go give me your ideal setup. You set up your electronic or your, your mouse call, and if you set up a decoy, if you do use like a mo- mojo decoy, um, give me the kind of basics for that.
2: We, we've got several different decoys that we use. We've got some mojo decoys we use. Uh, the critter's real good. We've got one called the puppy dog. The puppy dog didn't go over too good because of the way it looked, but it's one of the most deadly uh, decoys that we've ever used. Really? So anyway, you, you, and, and we've done this. We've experimented with this. We've set the call out, set the decoy out, and put them in different places. But when the Coyote comes in, he's focused on the sound. Yes, he will look at the decoy, but you want to put your decoy and your sound in the same proximity. And uh, we try to put the, the uh, decoy right there with our call, what we do.
1: Okay. Within proximity to the call. That's good. Yeah. And then. And we,
2: um, but we want a decoy. We use a decoy. You know I mean? That's. That's one of our main things because we want that cow to focus on something besides us. We don't want him right. focusing on
1: us, because you're really hunting the hunter, you know. And that's uh, he, he hunts for a living, so and so do you. Exactly. But you know, that's good. And uh, so you want to be within a hundred yards, seventy-five to fifty yards, getting a good shot. Um, and uh, and and then as far as the terrain goes, I mean, a lot of people. Uh, even one of my interview questions was. Do you spot and stalk a, a coyote, or is that kind of a futile effort? And last time we talked, well, you
2: you know, spot and stalk a coyote is uh, yeah. I've done a it's lot possible. of that. It's What's called in, uh, 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 incidental kills, you know, but but there's a big difference in bad and calling. Okay. You know, calling is the way I prefer. You know we've done a lot of we've done a lot of uh, hunting around dairy farms and that kind of stuff and and uh, they got cows having calves and stuff and yeah we slipped up on them and killed coyotes just for the just for the reason that uh, the the uh, farmer he wanted them gone sure and there's another verse to that story is a fed coyote was hard to call (laughs) (laughs) yep. I understand He's that. They ain't, he ain't looking for, he looking for nothing. Yeah. And so that's something you'll run into too in places where you know where the coyotes are eating good. That is that is priceless
1: advice. So yeah, you want to go to where they they've got to hunt for a living still, where they yeah. you know you can get a better shot. And I mean you know predator control is so crucial and in a lot of you know. Uh, farms and ranches like you work with and, and like you grew up in. And, uh, you know, finding a place to hunt predators is not that hard. You just have to ask and, and certainly make sure, you know, uh, if you've got houses in the background, you hunt away from those. If you've got livestock, that's certainly a good consideration for safety. And I, I've seen you guys shoot around cows and stuff like that. Y'all make sure that you are, are, are well clear of those before you take a yeah,
2: shot. I mean, you know, and that's another thing too. And we, um, uh, we kind of regret some of the stuff because the camera angle made it look like...
1: You're shooting right next to
2: them. Yeah, that the cattle was close, but in reality, uh, we never take a shot that is questionable. We right. have had uh, we have had numerous, numerous coyotes uh, come in on us through cattle and stuff, and we will not take the shot. And if it's not 100% uh, clear... then then it's not going
1: to happen with us and that's just general you know for most
2: that's the way you keep permission on a man's
1: place right right exactly and that's one thing I'm always big about is you know take care of your landowner and you know obey their instructions pick up your trash but you know don't shoot towards their barn or their livestock or any of that stuff it's just general
2: we've had guys that's got you know property that they let us hunt on and We'll see them in town or something, and they'll say, man, when you going to come out there he and go hunting, and they say, well, we were out there yesterday because, you know, we were out there and we hunted, and he never knew it.
1: They don't even know, and that's the out. thing.
2: We were in and out, and he didn't even know we were there.
1: That's exactly the way I am when I deer hunt on other people's property, um, you know, whether it be an urban hunting setup and that kind of stuff, I, you know, most people don't even know that I'm there, and it's just because I, I sneak in, I get out, I leave the place better than when I found it, you know, I take care of the landowner, and, and that's that's very, very important, because if you don't have your own piece of land, if you're hunting on public land, you want to make sure you keep other people's safety and concern, but also, you know, livestock, property, so on and so forth, and in concern of that, and I can't stress that enough, um, you know, that's good. So we talked about game calls where you're, you're, you wanted to buy a quality electronic game call and Game Tracks is the one that we recommended. We talked about MP, M&P, uh, series custom game calls that you make. What are some other good mouth calls?
2: Uh, a real good cheap mouth call is the Haydale Government Hunter. For somebody just starting out, that's about as good as you can get. And I think yeah. they a few years ago, they were like 10 bucks. And tell me more about that. What uh, what what manufacturer
1: makes those? Do you remember? Hey Dale. Okay, hey Dale. Okay, Government hey, Hunter. Okay, Dale
2: cool. All, they're in any, you know, they're in Walmart. They're in uh, Gander Mountain uh, Academy. You know, just about any place. And like I said, they're a little old clear plastic acrylic call. They've actually got two calls in them. They've got a, 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 a rabbit type sound, and then they've also got a squeaker, you just stick your finger over the end, and it's got a little little coaxing squeaker on it, and I've used one of them many, many, many times before I started making a call, well, I carried one in my bag, uh, because I I kill a lot of coyotes and call in a lot of coyotes and cats when I'm actually deer hunting.
1: Very good. If I get bored
2: sitting in a deer stand, I'll pull my predator call out and blow it a couple of times, and I've actually had deer out looking at them and blowed on the predator call and called in a cat, killed a cat, and the deer never even acknowledged that I was there. And I know you even told me sometimes that you'd rather, if there's an eight-point buck that walks out, you know, a
1: trophy deer or a coyote, you'd rather shoot the coyote. Oh, yeah. And I... Coyote first and then try to
2: kill
1: the deer. That's a true, yeah, that's a true predator hunter right there. That's what I love about you guys. And, um, you know, that, that also being said, so give me the name of that call again.
2: Uh, Haydel, Government Hunter.
1: Government Hunter, Haydel. Okay, very good. So you can find that in a lot of retail stores.
2: Primo's making some real good, you know, mouth calls. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, there's lots of good mouth calls out there on the market.
1: You, you get what you pay for. You've to learn
2: how to blow them. I mean, you can't sound like Dixie and and call in a coyote, you know. <laughs>
1: I'm <laughs> with I tell you. everybody
2: that buys one of my calls, well, how do I blow on If I said sound like something dying. that's pretty much what you because otherwise you're not going to fool the
1: code i mean that's just the way that it goes and and uh, you know you get what you pay for with mouth calls too as well as electronic calls i know you guys have had quite a few you know products that we've all tested and evaluated and that kind of stuff that you guys are just throwing in the trash because they're no good so you get what you pay for and all of it buy a good name brand um another one that i was going to suggest um that's new to us is a guy by the name of Lynn Buswell came out with blitzkrieg game calls. They've been on the market for quite a while. And, um, uh, you and I haven't talked much about that, but Prowler and I have, and he sent me a couple of his. Have you tried any of his out yet? No. Okay. All right. Well, next time you see Prowler, um, uh, definitely uh, uh, try those out, but I, I wanted to plug Fourth Creek Game Calls as well. You can find him through our website as well. He's a recent uh, product sponsor so One real good
2: thing, one real good thing about predator hunting, you know, if you come up with some kind of a call, you've got everything else. If you're a hunter, yeah, you know, you've got a rifle, you've got a shotgun. Uh, you, you don't have to go out and buy a whole bunch of stuff to become a predator hunter.
1: That's a good point. And that kind of you leaves me in a minute. A
2: decoy can be as simple as a buzzard feather hanging on a string. <laughs> you know. He's
1: blowing in the wind. Right. That's good. That's really good. That's yeah, just boy, something that...
2: A feather, or bird wing or something like that, you know.
1: Something that looks like it's in distress is a decoy. It doesn't have to be very expensive. It can be something you even make yourself... And I'm glad you mentioned that because that, you know, that gets into the next segment. I wanted to talk about what firearm you use. Let's talk, because last time we, we kind of did this uh, this kind of pre-interview, uh, we didn't talk any about shotguns. Give me your rundown on that, what you use. A lot of people ask me that.
2: Shotguns, uh, I've been using for years. I use Remington 787 uh, Special Purpose 3.5-inch Magnum Uh, It's got a super full turkey choke on it. I've actually killed cowies at 65 yards. We've got that on video. Absolutely. And we shoot a 3.5 inch number four buck, which has 54 20 caliber pellets. And it is awesome.
1: Very good. And that's Winchester's kind of our main ammo sponsor at the time I did this,
2: And Winchester, you know, they've got all this stuff out there. They've got the dead coyote, and they've got this, and they've got that. But the Winchester, three-and-a-half or three-inch or two-and-three-quarters, and they make it in all three chambers. Uh, That is the most deadly coyote round that I have ever used in a shotgun.
1: That's Winchester number four
2: buck. Yes. In and two and three quarter, three inch or three and a half. Three
1: and a half, and I've got some it's two and three like quarters Like forty eight
2: pellets, forty eight pellets in three inch, and fifty four in uh, three and a half, and like uh, forty, forty or something in two and three
1: quarters That's a lot of juice. That's really good. And one of the new shot, the new shotguns we just got to uh, to do that with. We've done some filming. and I've done a segment on this sponsor is Mossberg. Uh, we all have Mossberg 935 shotguns, which is the semi-automatic version of the 835, which is kind of the Magnum version of the 500. So uh, semi-automatic three and a half inch uh, I have even used it recently. As of last month, I went out clay shooting with some friends, and I even used it for target loads, which it cycled fine. I just needed to clean it after about 200 rounds or whatnot. I, I cycled through it, but it's built for hunting. It's, it's not necessarily built for um, you know, ski shooting and that kind of stuff. It is built for magnum loads, and uh, it is a very light shotgun. I don't know what you think about yours, but I'm thoroughly impressed with mine.
2: Yes, I mean, you know, the, the 935 is a real nice shotgun. I just hadn't had mine long enough during the hunting season to really get, uh, you know, to really try it out. And then, yeah. You know, I've had I've had such success over the years with the, with the gun I've got, and you know, that's something you kind of get. A real good feel of your favorite hunting gun, and I'm just real comfortable uh, with my Remington, and, and that's kind of hard to change. Uh, the 935 is a real nice shotgun; it functions well, and all that. But it's just kind of like uh, it's just kind of <laughs> like driving your old Jeep or something. You know, just it's, it's oh, something it, to get used to and what you like. Yep, you have,
1: yep. You have get used to that clutch and uh, and, and the don't gear shifting. It,
2: it ain't broke. <laughs>
1: I'm with you. You know, Mossberg one of our one of our firearm sponsors, and like I said, I'll talk later too about the um, some of the other Mossberg uh, guns that I was going to recommend. But um, the the 935, I also have the 835 pump, and then the 935 semi-auto. Um, what what Mac is talking about with the 1187, for those that aren't that familiar with firearms, is that's the, the kind of um, predecessor to the um, 1100, which is a semi-automatic version of a 12 gauge uh 12 12 gauge Remington. I'm sorry. Um, so the 1187 is a, a very classic gun um, and a semi-automatic 12 gauge. Well,
2: then so, is the, the particular one I've got, it just it's got a Remington super full turkey choke in it, and it just happens that. It shoots the number four buck extremely well. Like I said, I killed a coyote at 64 steps. I killed bobcat at 50-something steps. And just, you know, it's just an awesome, it's an awesome combination.
1: That's what you'd recommend is the super full like turkey-style choke for... uh, But if you
2: watch some of the hunt, and I don't know what it is, but uh, we've seen it several times. Uh, My particular setup, (laughs) will have one pellet, that it'll throw ten feet away from the rest of them for some huh. reason. we send it on videos in dusty conditions, and one pellet will just run off out there wild. You know. mm. <laughs>
1: That's interesting, but,
2: but other you. Than that, but other than that, it patterns them real well. So just that yeah. A lot, a lot of people have
1: asked me. A lot of people have asked me, "Hey, what 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 choke do I use?" And I haven't really known the answer to that because I assume a full choke. But you're suggesting like a turkey choke for buckshot. Yes,
2: that's what I said. Okay,
1: super full.
2: So that's good. Let's move but, into but, rifles. Now, just because my gun shoots it well, don't mean that somebody yeah. else is going to shoot it well. That's something that you've got to spend a little time and pattern your gun and and, and figure it out. You know, you. you you may have to go to a modified choke or something. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, that's something I've seen in the in the Mossberg. You know, they've got the overboard barrel. Well, I'm thinking on that overboard barrel that I'm gonna have to go to a modified choke or something because yeah. I did shoot it with the Super Full. Uh, it had too many flies, and I'm thinking what it's doing is letting it spread out and it's sucking it back down, and then that's causing a it's causing a uh, a little bit of an issue, and I think with an opener choke, uh, you're still going to get good results. But uh, I don't think with the overboard. I think it's going to be you're going to have to use a little opener choke.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that before moving to rifles, because uh, the Mossberg, indeed, I think on all of their uh, the, the the Magnum guns, at least the 835 and the 935 that that run three and a half inch Magnum, you know, down to two and three quarters. Um, they are all overboard to ten gauge and then they shrink back down when they get the uh when they hit the choke tube. So that being said, in fact the Acumag chokes that Mossberg use are, are overboard as well from what I understand. So they have um you know, they're built for the overboard. Um and so that's a very good so you're gonna probably move with a little wider choke or more open choke than for uh for the Mossberg. That is very good information. I'm glad to share that. Well, it's, like,
2: it's just like ammo and a rifle, you know, just because one ammo is real good. It may not shoot in a particular rifle and vice right. versa. You know, it's something that you've got to play with and, and figure out, you know, what is the best.
1: Yes, absolutely. That is good. And uh, let's talk real quick, uh, moving to rifles real quick. Uh, I know one thing we've always said, and I think even said earlier in this interview, is use what you have. Uh, if you're set up for deer hunting, you don't need a whole lot more than a game call and maybe a decoy oil. For a you know decoy setup for a um, for a coyote hunt, um, you are more of a fan of the larger calipers Though I'm right. most predator hunters that like 223. Explain why.
2: Uh, well, you know when you're in the business, you want a quick, clean kill. In other words, you want that animal to drop when you're filming in and he needs to drop right there. We can't. We can't use footage of one uh, kicking around and running and, and dying, you know, 30 minutes later. Uh, so I like the bigger guns, uh, you know. Even though even though I hunt coyotes and uh, I kind of despise them and everything, I still got a deep respect for them. And when I shoot one, I want him to die quick.
1: Very good. Like Very bigger,
2: good. I like the bigger calibers. My Probably my favorite uh, all around is the uh, uh, AR style 308. You know that's my favorite.
1: Like the AR10. Uh, right now,
2: right. right now we're shooting Olympic Arms in a 25 WSSM, and uh, I, I'm really liking it. It's big enough. You know the 25 WSSM is uh, equal ballistics to a 25.06. Right. And, so it's uh, it's I'm, a really, I'm super really liking shooting. it, but I hadn't been shooting it long enough. To, uh to really
1: fall in love with it yes but it's been around and see uh, olympic arms is i think the first maybe only ar manufacturer that has that has chambered a um very good all around you know 25 odd six light cartridge inside of a uh ar platform and they take the special magazine and the special mag well it's a special gun dedicated for that but another um Innovation, you know, they run 300 blackout or, you know, 223. You know, they've got uh, carbine-style uh, pistol, AR pistols, and 9mm, and so on and so forth. But uh, the 25-dots SIM, as, as Mac just said, is, is very ballistically equivalent to um, to a full-size 25-odd-6, um, which is going to neck down 30-odd-6. But what they've also done is come out with the, the, the um, I believe it's called the 300 OSSM. And I wrote an article about a year ago this month. Um, on the innovations of, of the Olympic Arms firearms, but that shoots something that's equivalent to something between a 30 odd six and a 300 uh, wind Mag out of an AR platform. Out of
2: an AR 15
1: platform. Yes, AR 15. that's yes, right.
2: So you know, you're talking
1: about shooting something uh, like a 25 out six out of a uh, out of an AR 15 platform. This is even stepping it up
2: some more. They call it a U M A R, and you can buy the U M A R. Uh, lower, and you can put any upper on it. Yes. But you've got to have the lower in order to use the 25 WSFM and the 300 OSFM, and they didn't make it in 22250. Yes, that's the other thing I was going to say.
1: You've got to
2: have the UMAR lower. Right. Once you get that lower, then you can put any upper on it. You can put a standard 223, uh, any brand, any configuration. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's Even like playing adult Legos. Even down to the pistol cartridges, you know, 40 calibers and 10 millimeters and 45.
1: Yep. Yeah, it's like playing adult Legos. I love it. And that's it's really an innovative company. So if you've not checked out Olympic Arms, they're one of our sponsors as well. You can see them on uh, the Mac and Prowler webpage. And um, uh, they, they have really done some innovative things. But I was really, that's why I wrote an article for them, as I was really blowing away the innovations of the uh, the 25 WSSM and the uh, three hundred OSSM uh, which are you know super short Winchester style cartridges. Uh the OSSM is their own invention and um I think it's just awesome. So uh that's so you like you know bigger calibers. When you're moving into rifles as I said I've mentioned here later in the interview, you know, um something that I this really caught my eye with uh and I showed you this one at Shot Show this year, I think Mac the Mossberg MVP, and that's a 223 that accepts AR-15 magazines, but is in uh, it's a bolt action. So even if the assault weapons ban and all this other stuff, you know, the politics going on when I recorded this interview uh, happened, you know, an AR-15s are obsolete or banned or for whatever reason, you can still use that in a um, in a in a hunting situation. You use AR mags inside of a um, a bolt action rifle. And as far as you know, fast throw bolt. Um, you know, prairie dog hunting all the way to coyotes. I think it's a pretty neat modular platform for a bolt-action rifle. And, um, and the other thing is I believe the last thing I read is that the MVP is going to be chambered in 308 next as well. So stay tuned for that. But Mossberg's one of our other firearm sponsors, along with Olympic Arms. And I wanted to definitely promote both of those and and the kind of guns that we use. I personally am a 30 caliber guy, you know, when it comes to any kind of hunting I do. I hunt with a Mosin Gaunt 762 by 54 Ram to, you know, I got a 270, which is a little different from 30 caliber, but uh, not by much. I
2: started this whole thing uh, about six, seven years ago. Uh, My rifle of choice was a Ruger 7mm Magnum. Mm hmm. I didn't have any at all. That's, run off. that's what I was gonna say. That's plenty of gun.
1: You know, the other only other gun that no, I use no is the three o eight. Too
2: much gun. <laughs> yeah, and I mean a lot of. you're hunting, there's no such thing as too
1: much gun. You're gonna have your guys that are listening to this though that are sitting there thinking, you know, well, what about, you know, what if whatever if you're trying to sell the pelts and stuff like that? But I, you know, well, I. Well, that's you know
2: that's a totally different, uh, yeah, totally different ball game when you're talking about pelt hunting. First off, uh, you know, yeah, you don't want you know you don't want uh, uh, to tear a big hole in the pelt if you're trying to sell the pelt. But here in Northeast Texas, where we're at, the pelts are really not worth anything. You know, they don't get cold enough, and uh, they're just not they're just not worth nothing here. So our main focus on hunting is the depredation on cattle, chicken houses, and that kind of thing. And when I and that's the
1: thing is it's not about keeping the you know keeping the coyote for for any value after that it's just simply a predatory control, um, you know and and the the thing is I, I just thought when I met both of you you know three years ago whatever it's been that you know I, y'all would definitely all be into 223s, two, 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 because so, all the predator hunting it, you know revolves around a lot is two two three but. I mean, I like you like to use bigger calibers and there's nothing wrong with that. So anybody that's listening to this that says, well, you know, I should, I, you know, 223 is the predator varmint cartridge. Well, there's plenty of guns like the 25 you know, WSSM that'll still reach out and touch them. They're still extremely flat shooting guns that are, have a little bit more power that you might want to consider for putting that coyote down quick.
2: Uh, you know, and if you'll look at the ballistics on the 223, and I, I've got 223s. Two, two, I've got one I carry every day, and I shot coyotes sure. with it, I shot hogs with it. Uh, I carry it because it's, I can carry a lot of ammo, and uh, it's a rifle. And and uh, you know, I carry it every day over the ranch. But uh, when you look at the ballistics on the 223 and really study them. You know, you're looking at a 250- to 300-yard gun, and then after that, the energy starts dropping off so bad um, until you can run into problems. You can actually shoot a coyote, and, and you know, he'll run off and he'll die, but you'll never find him.
1: Okay.
2: But that's true with any caliber if you don't make a good shot. Well, shot placement is your number one, you know, your number one thing.
1: That's, that's crucial, too. And, I mean, sometimes you're dealing with running shots with predator hunting. Sometimes you're you're not hunting in most ideal situations, but that's part of the challenge of predator hunting and why I think it is it is one of the most, you know, the fastest that's growing. Minute.
2: That's why we want a minute 50 yards and why we want yeah. to have that shotgun
1: handy. <laughs> that's not a bad idea either. And another thing I wanted to plug that I didn't talk about with you before is having a good bipod or monopod. That's something I use when I'm crossbow hunting, or rifle hunting if I'm in an offhand position where I'm not on the rest or anything. And most of the time, if you're out in the middle of the field with your back against the tree, you're not going to be in that situation.
2: Now, we set in, in some like little turkey hunting stools most okay. of the time. And uh, if, if I forget my uh, bipod or something like that, I cut me a stick because I can't, uh, I can't sit there and hold that gun steady enough to make a real good clean shot. Just free handed. I'm not that good. I never have been. I've always relied on some type of uh, some type of uh, uh, aid. And
1: they're not that hard. They're not expensive to buy. A good monopod. I mean, you can even get a, a short one. Like I've got. I even put my camera on some of the time. I've, I've got it mounted up right now for where I'm going this week. And
2: I uh, I use the phone uh, uh, cat.
1: Okay, you use a polecat. I use a uh, Stony Point, which is uh, by the folks I think that make the B- Bushnell. I think it's a parent company. of yeah, uh,
2: Stony Point is a, is makes the polecat. Yeah, they
1: make the polecat. Okay, cool. So I and just got a, a generic it's Stony it's a
2: Point bipod, It's an adjustable bipod. And, and do you have one that's low. like for
1: standing, or do you, is yours for sitting too? For for like kneeling or or.
2: It's, it's for shooting. It's just a you know two-legged.
1: Okay. Okay. So you've got a. Above, yeah. I will sit
2: on sand. I will sit on sand in my chair, and uh, I will actually have my gun on that pod and and rest on my shoulder, uh, and sit there and work the call with everything. To where all I got to do is put my hand on the trigger and, and uh, look through this scope. That is good. So it's very comfortable. I've been turkey hunting
1: like that before. I've been you know crossbow hunting for deer like that before, where. It's very little, you know. That 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 monopod or bipod or whatever you use, and they even make the fully adjustable ones that you can go from standing to kneeling um, with a little trigger pod. I think Primos makes that one, and uh, you know. But you can sit there in shooting position, like what Max talking about, uh, ready to go, you know, and not having yeah, to next, worry about. Know, the it. the next uh, the
2: next thing that the, that you're going to find on the Cowdy besides his nose is movement. You yes. Pick up on movement. Uh, you'll think that he's out there and, and, and focused on something else, and you go to moving around, and he's fixing to lock in on you quick.
1: He's pinning you down because they've got great—they've got great long-distance vision. Right. And, and they're, um, they're,
2: real, they're real keen to movement, and so that's why I sit there, you know, with my gun on the ready position up on my shoulder, where I can just minimal move and, and be on top.
1: Very good. And um, uh, another question I guess I've got for you is, that all being said, so we talked about the coyote's nose, we talked about, you know, movement. What kind of camo?
2: What kind of camo? Uh, right now, we've been using this for about, I don't know, four or five years now. We use the M2D. It's made two D C and uh, it does just that. Here where we hunt at in northeast Texas. Wintertime running everything is predominantly brown. And uh M T V camo is a brown yellow uh, kind of a looks similar to shadow grass, but it's a whole lot smaller lines and, and and we've had extremely good success with it. Uh, it's a real it's a it's a real good camo in our area and which uh, m 2 Camo is based out of Washington State. He does hunt in Idaho and, and all over the country, and it, it, it's just a good all-around camo because, you know, being a guide over at the ranch, I see this on a daily basis. People come out there with all of the dark-colored camo, and then they're out there at 100 to 150 yards. Guess what? They are a dark blob. Yeah. yeah. And uh M2D, we have actually uh, hung it up in a bush or something and got away from it, and it blends in. It blends in better than any camo that I have ever seen. Uh, it, it's just such a, a big appeal now. It's such a big part of the
1: hunting industry market now as camo and coming out with the newest, you know, uh, you know, all the different camo brands that are out there. I'm really satisfied with M2D. And, again, just for our listeners, that's the letter M, the number 2, and the letter D camo um and you can see him at M T M two D camo dot com. Uh Sparky Sparks is the guy that uh came up with that and he uh they can even do uh dip jobs where they can dip your guns or, or any kind of other products into uh they into also make, you know they
2: got some hunting vests and some fishing vests.
1: Yeah. they, uh, they
2: got some about real that. nice uh, real nice vests and stuff that we use a lot of too. Yeah, that's right. Y'all sent uh, me one M2D, of those M two D right now, uh Right now, that's the, that's
1: the camo of choice, ain't it? And that, it blends in so well to your environment. It's just scary because, you know, they even have things on their website, pictures of of them being in the snow or being on a field or being in just any kind of terrain and, and how crazy it blends in compared to the other camo companies out there. So, you know, it's another one of our sponsors that they, uh, you know, again, we really only hunt with the best, So, <laughs> you know, that's,
2: that's a big thing there. Hunting. Uh, M2D is nice as it is for hunting, so it's not uh, It's the rest of life, you know, that's, that's designed for it. It's not, right. it's not designed to look good on you, it's designed to function. Yeah, I noticed that. It's not
1: the most fashionable camo I, I have, but it certainly yeah, is deadly. <laughs> and,
2: uh, you know, uh, but, but it works.
1: Yeah, that's and, good and to that's
2: know. that's the reason that Mac and Prowler uses it, because it works. If it yeah, don't work, we're not using it. And it was the
1: same deal. I mean, you guys have been around longer than I have in this industry. And I mean that's that's the one thing I love about working with these two guys with Mag and Prowler both is because um we don't we don't represent stuff that's junk, that's for sure. So anything that we recommend on this uh interview, you're gonna you're gonna definitely be happy with what you purchase. So um that's very, very important. Okay. Uh, um we want
2: to
1: know it. That's right. <laughs> and uh note one. That's that's important. So yeah, that's good. So um, what else would you like to say to folks that are that are just starting out, that are um, you know maybe have been frustrated before? I, I know you say persistence is key and patience is key, but what other advice would you like to give? Uh,
2: uh, the main advice that I'm gonna give right here, you're not gonna kill a coyote, uh sitting in front of a TV watching a ball game. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you got to get out there and
2: hunt. It ain't going to happen most of the time. Now, yeah, there's going to be some guys like, yeah, I was watching the ball game, Warren come running out in the yard, and I tried <laughs> But that's, uh, you know, you're not going to call them in and consistently kill' them uh, if you're not out in the woods is what I'm trying to get at. Right, right. You so, need to you get know, out
1: there and
2: do it. If you've got the time uh, and you're passionate about coyote hunting, then you've got to spend time in the woods just like, just like any other hunting, you know. Uh, big game hunting, deer, elk, whatever. The guys that are successful in it, they're out there every day that they can. And that's what it takes to be successful. And, you know, no matter how good you think you are at any kind of hunting, that animal is going to prove you wrong time and time again. You know, when you think you got it all figured out, guess what? He's going to throw you a curveball like you ain't never seen. The he has to survive in his environment with you out there trying to take his life, so uh, he's on his toes at all times.
1: And that, that that has just been so amazing to me, to just how how a coyote you know knows to circle downwind and, and try to catch to see if there's any you know predator hunting him you know, and uh, how, how that that's just hardwired in them.
2: I've said it I've said it for years, and I have no proof because I'm not a scientist and everything. But I think every animal on this planet has a communication uh, of some sort that that we don't even know about. Because how many times have you been in a deer blind or whatever and there'll be five or six or seven does out there and uh, one deer gets something that they don't like and immediately all of them go on alert. Yeah, but it's like a sixth sense or something. That's right. You know, it's a it's a communication that we can't hear, we can't see, we can't we know nothing about. But there's a communication there, some way, form or fashion. When you've got deer 50 yards apart and all of them go on alert at the exact same time, somebody did something that everybody else knew about but us. Right. Same way with caloes. So they're and
1: they're very much a packed animal. So I mean, a, 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 you know, a, not a herd animal. I guess pack animal would be the right yeah, way to stand.
2: Well, that's something too on coyotes. Now, uh, I'll throw this in while we're talking about that. Uh, if you set up and you call in a coyote within five minutes or ten minutes or thirty minutes, don't jump up and run out there and go to taking pictures and everything. Sit there and keep calling. We called in as high as four and five and six at a time by not moving. And, and you know, one gunshot, two gunshots—they uh, don't know what that is. You right. Know? They don't know exactly where it's coming from. And so, you know, my advice here, you shoot a coyote, don't just, don't quit. Keep calling, keep calling until, and just start all over. Just say, "Well, I'm going to sit here another fucking minute." And we have actually called in multiple coyotes and never moved. And how big would he's laying out there
1: in front of us. And that's something else I forgot to to mention on this is uh, how long do you call before you move on to another spot?
2: Minimum thirty minutes.
1: Minimum thirty minutes, and then
2: Minimum. an el-
1: electronic call is going to keep on blowing and keep on blowing. And I mean, you're going to run that call for the whole time, but while you're there. But how about a mouth call? Do you keep on blowing?
2: Yeah, same time. Okay. Same thing uh you know, uh, I, just, I don't recommend me or some of the guys out there. I don't never say, you know, you ask me what we did, and we don't move. You know, there's always things that can happen. You know, you might get on the stand. You might be sitting there for 10 minutes and the farmer drive up. Well, then, yeah, you need to move. But I'm talking about if everything is right, and, and you get into a place right, and the wind hasn't changed, say 30 minutes minimum. And I mean stay 30 minutes and then decide to move and go to pack stuff up and look look up, and there's the code.
1: There he is. Yeah, has like, like calling it
2: up. He that two minutes longer. You know, so there's no, there's no set rule. You just yeah. trying to kind of play it all by ear.
1: It's, it's kind of like turkey hunting. You and I talked about that last time.
2: Right. 'Cause there, there've been times
1: know, of hunting
2: There've been times where
1: I've I've been in the turkey blind and, you know, been, been calling and calling and just get up and get myself ready and there's two times right in front of me. You know. And I don't know, you know, it's the same deal with coyote hunting. you never quit and you just be persistent and, and patient. And we
2: with said, it. We, said, we said as long as I an hour, hour and a half. You know, we had a hunt one time to where we saw a coyote a mile away. And uh, we couldn't get his attention. We didn't have anything loud enough uh, that he could hear because we had a little bit of wind blowing and everything. And I finally, I picked up uh, some kind of call I had on him, remember what it was, and I blew on that thing as loud as I could. <laughs> and he throwed his head up and looked our way. Well, it took me 20 minutes to come on in. But when he got within about 250 yards of it, uh, he committed and come in hard. You know, but it took him that long to work his way, and he would stop and smell the ground and walk around, and you know. Uh, but then, whenever he got to that point, then he committed. But we, you know, we actually experienced that. Uh, we just happened to see the coyote, and he was a mile away.
1: And you had, uh, yeah,
2: you had to kind of coax him into your position. Well, once once he heard something, he started coming our way to investigate. You know, but he wasn't in no hurry because right. his mind he was like, "Well, it probably won't be there when I get there." You so know? he's taking his he time. Didn't nothing, he didn't have nothing else to do, so you know, he came to investigate.
1: Oh, this is this is all great info. You have anything else you'd like to say to our listeners?
2: Uh, just get out there hunt. <laughs> it, 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 it's a real uh it's a real uh, I guess uh, low volume hunt. Uh you're not gonna kill a lot. But uh to me when I can put my wits against a apex predator like a coyote or a bobcat—they make their living doing this. And when I can outsmart him, then I have accomplished something big. And that's my—that's my opinion of the whole thing. Uh, I just love going against an animal that—that uh, that is a worthy opponent. You become a dominant predator in a way, and I—that's.
1: That's what the big draw is to it, and, and you know there's not a whole lot of meat you get out of it or any of that stuff like you over the deer and elk or anything else. But it's just the charge that you beat somebody at their own game, you know,
2: yeah. in hunting, yeah. and I, it, it's yeah, unlike I, any I, other kind of hunting. I got smart as that cow or that bobcat, and I got them within range of me that I could take them out, and to me that is the ultimate. There's no other, there's no other hunting out there uh, that I can think of. That uh, that I like any better than that. Oh,
1: that's that is phenomenal. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Could you give me your, your your email out? Uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. You can give out
2: the you can give out the email that's on our website and all that, and then go to our website. All the information's pretty much there.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's so. Your email is MacAndProwler at uh, yahoo dot com, right? Yes.
2: Yeah. That's my personal. MacInfowler.yahoo.com goes straight to me. at okay. Mac, Mac, MacInfowler.com uh, goes to the uh, to the office.
1: Okay, yeah, the main office. But that way if people have any questions, I'm sure you wouldn't mind them them uh, yes. giving me an email. We get questions all the time. I
2: have, I have people in this industry all the time tell me that uh, I'm too much of an open book. Well, you know, uh, I don't have no secrets. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to share any information that I have, uh, you know, and it's all my opinion, you know, and that's all it is, is my opinion. Right. Uh, it, works, it, it works for me, and that's all I can tell
1: you. Yeah, and that's uh, just to promote our show again. That's one thing that you will see. Uh, we have a, a ton of sponsors on our uh, partners page on at uh, com. Uh, you can get to us in one of two ways: macandprowler.com, dot com, which is m a c a n d p r o w l e r. dot com, or show dot com. And um, you can visit us there. You can email me or Mac or Prowler with any questions that you have. Uh, certainly, Mac is kind of the king of the predator hunting world in our in our little uh, hierarchy here. So he'd probably be the best one to ask any. Predator Hunting Direct questions. We've got articles up there. We've got tons of videos for coyote hunting and bobcat hunting and, um, you know, even all kinds of other types of hunting and bow fishing and stuff like that there as well. And um, thank you again so much for joining with me, Mac. This has just been a great interview, I think.
2: And then also, I also own this archery shop called Backwoods Archery. And uh, I have a, I'm have i a PSE certified dealer. I can do any repairs on most any kind of bow or anything. I will ship. Uh, we have a big section of uh, both fishing accessories, reels, bows, uh, arrows, uh, stuff that's pretty hard to find. Lots of places.
1: Very good. And the link to get to that little section, I built a page for uh, for Max Archery Shop Backwoods Archery. Uh, on the main page of macandprowler.com. You can get to that, and uh, you can even call him with any questions or if you need to order anything in or anything like that. If you live in the northeast Texas area um, around DeKalb where Mac lives, that would be a certain uh, certain stop if uh, if that were me uh, because uh, he's a great guy to talk to. it knows quite a lot about um, archery and firearms and all kinds of different things, and that would be my go-to gun shop if I lived in that area for sure. Um, so our go-to archery place and everything so I'm excited man so you can learn all about that on um, on our website again macandprowler.com and uh, you have several different videos, articles all kinds of resources to help you become a better hunter there and uh, anything else you'd like to add Mac? Nope, Just, all
2: right. I enjoyed it. I, hope, I hope,
1: uh, hope somebody learned something from it
2: and I think if they'll go to our website and look at it I think they will learn if they'll watch our They'll watch some of our videos. We've got some real neat stuff on there and then Dustin has some excellent articles on there about you. how to and what if and all that stuff. So uh, just go to our website, browse around for a while and uh, enjoy doing this.
0: Man, that was a fun interview. I really enjoyed that. Mac and I talk on a pretty semi-frequent basis and uh, he is just a fun guy to have around and um, and just a wealth of information when it comes to hunting just about anything. He's also a pretty accomplished bow fisherman and, um, and big game hunter and, and, and great hunting guide. There's just there's so many good things about uh, working with Mac. If you want to check out some more of the hunts of uh, Mac and Prowlers, check out the website macandprowler.com. It's M-A-C-A-N-D-P-R-O-W-L-E-R.com or the Show.com. And that'll bring you to some articles that myself and others uh, on our Mac and Prowler team have written, as well as um, some video content, some podcasts, and all kinds of different content you can download or consume there on the website. Thank you so much again for listening to this show and uh, tuning in and downloading or streaming this podcast. Please tell your friends about it if you like it. We'd love to have some more listeners to the show and have a wonderful day in the outdoors.